Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Pastor Joyce turns around and she goes, you're still white. I'm like, I was red for one day. Hey, how we doing, church? Hey, also, can we make some noise for everyone who's, who's in the fellowship hall this morning as well? Can we just say what's up to them? I am, I am excited. Today's message is gonna be um, a little more practical, but I think that, you know, if, if, as we talked about last week, if we uh, have a lot of knowledge, but we don't put the knowledge into application, then what's the point, Right? What is the point? And so we are in a series right now. This is week two through the study of the book of Proverbs where we're looking at the first eight chapters in Proverbs and really just diving into what it is that King Solomon and ultimately God is talking about um, concerning wisdom and applying wisdom to our life. Uh, this, this past two weeks ago, my, my son, because of Esteban, uh, which give it up for Esteban as well. He is awesome. A few months ago, Esteban drove Judah and I to Penn Station uh, after church, and uh, I was like, you don't have a car seat? And he's like, I have a booster seat. And Judah was like, a booster seat? And so he got to experience his first booster seat with Esteban. Thank you, sir. Um, but, but after that, he was like, Mom, Dad, I want a booster seat. And I was like, okay. Thankfully, we bought one of those, you know, car seats that like converts in and stuff. And so we just had to take off the back and figure out how it all works and realize that it isn't like strapped in and stuff. Uh, so finally, we figured it out. And Judah's sitting there. And as um, we're driving, I think we were driving to the office or, or something, um, he starts doing this, this thing with the seatbelt where he just starts pulling and it goes back, pulling and it goes back, pulling and it goes back. And I was like, Judah... Do you remember what happened in Mr. Esteban's car? And he's, he said, no. I was like, well, you did the same thing and the seatbelt latched and then it started squeezing you. Do you remember that? He was like, yeah, but it's okay. I want it to squeeze me. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, son, I'm telling you, wisdom is listening to your mom and to your dad. So this went on for about three or four more minutes until guess what? It latched whenever he let go. And then it started pulling tighter because I was on the interstate and driving. And obviously, you guys know I follow the speed limit. Um, and, and so then the same thing that happened in Mr. Esteban's car happened in our car where he started screaming. And I turned to him and I said, son, this is wisdom. You need to listen to your parents and you won't be put in these types of situations. If you would have listened to mom and dad, then you wouldn't have been put in this type of situation. I say that to say this. King Solomon is addressing his son right here. And you're going to literally see my son. And I want you to even think about it as God addressing us as sons and daughters of God. And he's going to give us information that we should be able to apply to our life. But if we don't listen to the information, then like we talked about last week, we're either going to be person A, who is a student of wisdom, or person B, who is a student of foolishness. 
And there is no um, a little bit of that and a little bit of little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's either one or the other. And so, just like my son, who had the knowledge, uh, had the experience, he did not listen to his parents. He was—I don't want to call him foolish, but he was not listening. We'll just leave it at that. So is us if we hear the truth, hear the word of God, hear the understanding of Scripture and we don't apply it to our lives. So let's dive in. Chapter two, verses one through four. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as a hidden treasure. Listen to the words that are being said in that opening statement right there. Listen, listen to the depth of what it is that King Solomon is trying to say. Just, just a few of these in, in, in verse one. Uh, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments. I want you to think about treasure. Treasure is something that you are pursuing. Treasure is something that you're going after. And if you have something that's very precious, a diamond ring or a gold bar or um, Bitcoin, who knows, right? You want to be able to protect that treasure. A farmer, a farmer will even take the seeds, right? And what does he do with the seeds? He ends up burying it in order to protect the seed. Because if he just took the seed and he scattered it out in the field, a lot of the seed would end up getting burned up by the sun or eaten by birds out there. And and, and so you see, he's saying, I want you to pursue it. I want you to treasure it, to plant it into your heart, verse 2 making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. He's saying, I want you to listen to what is being said, and then I want you to apply it to your life. A lot of times we can hear the gospel, and it goes, as my father used to say, in one ear and out the other. But there's something that happens when the knowledge of God gets transformed into your heart. There's a transformation that takes place. There is an application that is then applied in our life. Verse three, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as a hidden treasure. Many of you guys uh, may not know this. I don't know if you know this at all. Um, But there was a famous author, and I wish that I remembered his name. And he wrote a book, and in this book, he ended up leaving clues about a million-dollar treasure that he buried somewhere out in the Rocky Mountains. Do any of you guys remember this story? It was about a year and a half ago. About a year and a half ago, um, people have been looking for this for years. My father-in-law, Christie's dad, um, him and his brother and, and cousin, they literally rented an RV and they went out to Colorado with their clues that they came up with in this book, hunting for this treasure, this million dollar treasure. They didn't find it or else, you know, we'd have a lot more money right now. But um, I was praying and interceding. It just wasn't the sovereign will of God. And I'm okay with that, right? Um, but, but literally people would go out searching for this treasure, 
It's just like a hundred plus years ago at the turn of the 19th century, people going out to California in search for gold because of the gold rush, right? Uh, people are, are longing for something more and the risk is, not go, is, is gonna be far less than the reward. The reward is going to end up paying off so much more. And this is kind of that analogy that King Solomon is drawing right here. He's saying, I want you to go searching for wisdom. I want you to have understanding. And when you have it, I want you to treasure it. Something so precious, something so valuable. And then in verse five, and this is where the turning point takes place. He says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. There are not a lot of promises in the book of Proverbs. As I said last week, it's like God's Twitter account. It's a bunch of tweets or, or phrases that are out there. But right here, you see, this is one of the few promises of God. A lot of them are, are like, um, as iron sharpens iron, so one man does another, right? Tweetable phrase, you know, and, and hashtag bless. You have to throw that in there. But this is a promise that God is giving to the people of God. He's saying, my son, receive my words. Um, have your ear attentive. Call out for insight. Raise your voice for understanding. Seek it like silver. Search for it as a hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So it's a, if you do this, if you seek, if you, if you pursue, if you treasure it up, then you will understand the fear and the knowledge of the Lord. And as we talked about last week, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. The fear of the Lord in awe and wonder, but in also reverence to his authority should start to transform our lives to be able to follow Christ even more. Verse six, and this is what the Lord gives. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The Lord gives wisdom. I want you guys to think about that. Many of us, we, we are sometimes in our life, we, we get caught up in circumstances and situations and things happen to us, and we're like, why on earth did this happen? And we turn to everyone else except for calling out to the Lord. Amen. We, we turn and, and we even go on social media and we start complaining about like, I'm having a rough day. I'm having a horrible day. And, 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 or we consume a substance to be able to satisfy us in here. Meanwhile, God's saying, all you have to do is to call out to me and I will give you that wisdom. I will answer you. I will give you the knowledge and the understanding. And as we talked about last week, knowledge is learned and wisdom is applied. And so I want you to think about circumstances that you've been facing this past week. I want you to think about situations that you've been in where you've, you've had this, you know, good angel over here and this little red devil over here. And you've had to choose, am I going to be a wise person or am I going to be a foolish person? I want you to think about um, maybe whenever you're, you're handling things financially, how are you going to respond? Or whenever you've got um, bill collectors calling you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I want to give you a question that I got from Andy Stanley in his book. He has a book, and I'm about to tell you the title, and you can go buy it on Amazon and you know, help feed his kids or whatever. But, um, but this question 
This question, if you ask this question in any situation, you would always walk out better than where you currently are. You've got two options in front of you. You have two things in front of you. What are you going to do? This is the question. You guys ready? If you're taking notes, write this down. What is the wisest choice? Really? What is the wisest choice? Really? Think about it. Give you a very good example that I experienced last week after I left church, headed over to JFK. Am I going to run the yellow light or am I going to slow down? What's the wisest choice? Really? I'm pretty sure I've got a few tickets coming from the NYPD that will be delivered to my house in a few weeks. I'm just saying. Confession, repentance, right? There is forgiveness. Don't judge. (laughs) How about this? It's late at night. The wife is in bed, kids are asleep, and I'm surfing on my phone. What's the wisest choice, really? Or I'm hanging out with some people, and I'm noticing that they're starting to dab into some substances that maybe I'm not quite comfortable with. What's the wisest decision, really? You see, if God gives us wisdom and understanding, then then we should be able to, at any moment of choice in our life, be able to tap into the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Let me me keep reading verse 7 and 8 because this is going on with that promise. He's saying, I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. And so if we are constantly trying to live a life that is upright and pleasing to the Lord, a life that is in pursuit of the goodness of God, a life that is in pursuit of Jesus Christ and becoming more and more and more like him and taking the knowledge of God, the scripture, and applying it to our life, then what we are going to see is God is going to start protecting us more in our lives. It's like this. We are on this life, and we've got these guardrails that Christ is placing around us. And and let me just give you a few. Accountability. This is why it's so incredibly important to be in community with people. Because if you are making a dumb decision, you're going to have men and women who ferociously love you, who are going to come up to you and say, hey, Mike, let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Like, what do you mean? Like, no, come on, man. I, I, this is a little out of character for you. Like, that's, that's one guardrail. Two, it's um, you have the church. I think sometimes we forget this, but uh, the church isn't a building. Yes, we meet in a building, but the church is people. And, and the people of God should be there, leaning on one another, encouraging one another, edifying one another. And so you get put in these situations and, and you think about what our world says and what our world is desiring, what our world is pushing. And God is saying, I want you to lean towards, I want you to come towards me. And in that, I will give you wisdom so that you can walk in righteousness. And then in verses 9 and 11, he hits on something that we hit on last week that I want to spend just a few minutes diving into. Then you will understand righteousness 
and justice and equity, every good path. If you would go back and circle those words, righteousness, justice, and equity. For the wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard your heart. So I spoke about this last week. We talked about the fear of the Lord. And with the fear of the Lord, it says, once you have the fear of the Lord, then you're going to understand righteousness, justice, and equity. Your version may say equality. And how those three words have been hot topic words. They have been buzzwords in our society. For the past, I don't know, three, four years, some could even argue more. But more so recently within the past 24 months, these have been hot topic words. And and the problem with this is if you look at man's version of righteousness and God's version of righteousness, they're not the same thing. They're definitely not the same thing because man's version of righteousness or worldly based righteousness is based on preferences of the culture and it's always changing. This is why we see massive culture shifts take place every 40 to 70 years. This is why we see, and sometimes we lean very, very far left politically as a country, and then other times we lean very, very, very far right politically as a country. Because there are these pendulum swings that are going to go one way or another way with the culture. And that, if, if, we, if, we, if we take culture and we place it so far up in our priorities, and I do believe culture is important, all right? I believe it's important for us to engage with culture. But if we place it so high up, culture will start to determine and shift and mold our priorities and our definition of righteousness in our life, which is why we can look at people who call themselves non-believers and they have no moral compass that is in tune with the word of God. You might be sitting here and if you're not a believer, you might be saying, I have a moral compass. I'm willing to bet part of your moral compass came from the word of God. You just didn't even realize it. And so we see this this tension. And so worldly righteousness is based upon preferences of the culture. It is always changing. Its focus is worldly. Godly righteousness is unchanging and it transcends the invaluableness of the world. It transcends everything that's happened in this world. And I've said this before, I would much rather follow the Holy Scripture and a God who has been proven to test any culture, any empire, any democracy, anything that has gone out there in this world than to follow something that was 50, 75, or even 100 years old that's going to fade tomorrow. The righteousness of God is different than the righteousness of man. And in order to understand the righteousness of God, we've got to have a proper fear of the Lord. And in order to have a proper fear of the Lord, we've got to get into the word of God. The other thing he hits on is justice, right? Let me just, let me just boil it down very, very simple with you because the world's version of justice and, man, and God's version of justice is two totally different things, all right? This is where God's version of justice starts. Listen to me, Christian. God's version of justice, the word of God's version of justice starts with seeing people through the lens of eternity. Bottom line, you don't like someone, 
That's something that you need to work out. They are created in the image of God, in the Imago Dei, and they are set apart, and God loves them, and Jesus Christ died on the cross for them. And if you don't like them, then that's something that you've got to wrestle out with God and with the Holy Spirit. Like, and this is, this is so true. If we see people through the lens of eternity, if we go into conversations with the lens of eternity saying, I'm talking to an eternal being that God loves and Jesus wants to save, our perception, our attitude, all of that would be a lot different. Look, this past week on vacation, this is what happened. We get there the first night. I really wrestled with this. I really, really wrestled with this. And uh, my wife kind of was like, Mike, Let's, let's talk about this. And I was like, all right. So we're in, we're in this, um, I, don't, I don't know, this family room. It's got two rooms. It's not quite as sweet because we're not rich or anything. But we're at an all-inclusive resort, and I'm enjoying it. And uh, the bathroom is a sliding uh, glass, frosted glass thing, right? And so we just got the kids to bed. Like, we just got there. It's been a long day. They've been swimming. And... Um, I go to shut, I had to go to the restroom just in case you guys were wondering. So I go to shut the bathroom door, right? And I literally, just barely, just like nonchalantly just shut it and the whole thing just shatters. And I'm talking like, like cuts up my hand, I'm bleeding everywhere. And Christy's like, kids, pack your bags. And um, I went up to the front desk, blood on my hands. And I'm like, dude, your door just broke on me. I wasn't quite rude like that. I'm over-exaggerating, right? But like, your, your door broke on me and I just got frustrated and angry and I went back to the hotel room and I didn't want to tip the guy that was moving us literally just one room over and all of this. Um, and my wife was like, okay, honey, let's just calm down and let's get the kids in bed. We'll clean everything up and it'll be okay. And guess what? The rest of the trip was great. I went into that conversation frustrated and angry. If I would have gone into that conversation looking at Manuel, who was the front desk manager through the lens of eternity, my conversation would have been completely different. Wisdom, understanding. He continues on verses 12 through 15, delivering you from the way of evil. Man, just, just, just catch that. Catch that. Like, Walking in righteousness, walking in justice, walking in understanding, walking in the wisdom of God. And what is his promise? His promise is to deliver you from the way of evil, to deliver you. Some of us, we've been so bound because we've been living a life of foolishness, disregarding the fear of the Lord and the sovereignty of God. But if we could just get a glimpse of his holiness... Get a glimpse of his justice. Get a glimpse of his love. Man, he can deliver you from the ways of evil. Like, and I'm, I'm talking, like, let me just say this. God can do more in one second with you encountering the presence of God than you can under a lifetime of sermons. And some of us have been so sermonized in our life, we forgot what it's like to encounter the presence of God. 
If you think about Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah gets in the presence of God, and what happens? He falls to the ground. Woe is me, for I am unclean and undone. And then, boom, God ministers to him and speaks to him and commissions him and gives him a purpose and a destiny for his life. When you think about Millie was praying this morning. The woman, the woman who had the issue of blood, who was crawling, inviting the crowd to be able to touch the hem of the, of the garment of Jesus Christ, to get into the presence of Christ, and she touched the presence of God, and boom, like that, she was completely delivered. And that's what God desires to do for you and to do for me, to do for this church, to deliver us from the ways of evil, to deliver us, let me get real personal, from your sin, from your addiction, from your baggage that you've been carrying around for the past, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 years. He, he continues on, to deliver you from the ways of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of, of uprightness and walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in do, doing evil and delight in the presence uh, perseverance of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. And guard, God wants to guard you. God wants to protect you. God wants his peace to rest upon you. God longs and desires for this. And so let me ask you two questions. Number one, you're going to leave here today. You're going to be put in a situation. Ask yourself, what's the wisest thing to do, really? And if that doesn't do it for you, let me, let me give you a second question right here. Will this choice or this decision bring glory and honor to God? If not, you got your answer. And that is having a proper fear of the Lord. Knowledge and understanding that moves to our heart, that is applied, becomes wisdom. Wisdom leads to righteousness, a harvest of righteousness in our life. I want to close out with this. I just want to jump down to verse 20 through 22. And read one more passage of scripture. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land. And those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out. Listen, there is a day and age that is coming where our Savior is going to return as a conquering king. And the righteous, the children of God, are going to rule and reign with Jesus forever. You might be saying, Michael, I'm not righteous. Look, I know you're not righteous, but I know someone who is. And there's nothing that your righteousness can get you. It's only the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And all it is, is us accepting that and believing that and embracing that in our life. So life is tough, right? Life is challenging. 
Life has situations and circumstances that we don't like, political officials who have been elected that we didn't vote for, injustices happening in this world. Do you know what the same writer says about the meaning of life? King Solomon, the wisest man, you know what he says? Meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless unless you're living for something that is not under the sun. You know what he means by that? Meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless unless you're living for something greater, which is eternity and having a proper view and fear and reverence of the Lord. And he closes out the book of Ecclesiastes, which I I wish we could dive into it more today, but we just don't have time. He closes out the book of Ecclesiastes, same writer who wrote Proverbs, writing to his son. And he says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. This is chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. This is literally the very end of his writings. And he says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. You ready? Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment and every secret thing, whether good or evil. So what am I supposed to do? Fear God and keep his commandments. Well, well, Michael, I, I mean, you don't know what I'm going through. It doesn't matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Yeah, but I got laid off last week and I'm dealing with anxiety right now and I'm a little frustrated at my old boss. I just want to go deck them Brooklyn style. Like, I just want to go at it right now. And Because in Albany, we don't hit people, right? That's a lie. Um, fear God and keep his commandments. What's his commandments? Love your neighbor as yourself. See people through the lens of eternity. Yeah, but Michael, my basement just flooded. I've got to spend a bunch of money, the sewage back up. That's totally happened to me a few times. Fear God and keep his commandments. But I don't like who's in office. I'm so frustrated at who's in office right now. Fear God and keep his commandments. Your responsibility and my responsibility, the responsibility of the church to have all knowledge and understanding and wisdom is starts with, and bottom line is this, to fear the Lord and to keep his commandments. I want you to think about what would happen if a church, if the church the people of God walked in a reverence fear saying, God, woe is me. I am undone. And we allowed that fear to move from our head down to our heart and become applied, skilled wisdom in living and we kept the commandments of the Lord. All God wanted out of the Israelites was a people set apart from himself 
And because of Jesus, we are now family. We are now co-heirs with God. But it starts with fearing the Lord and keeping his commandments and walking in righteousness, not a righteousness of your own, but a righteousness of Jesus that clothes you in love and humility and honor and peace. So as we close out today, I just wanna do two things. I wanna give people an opportunity. If you've never said yes to Jesus or maybe you've walked away from Jesus, I wanna give you an opportunity to say yes today. And what I'd like us to do is for us all to just bow our heads and close our eyes. And on the count of three, if that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand high just for a second. And then we're all gonna pray. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're not a believer in Jesus and you got invited to church. You realize, man, these people are loud. They know how to yell. There's some people dancing. There's this white red boy on the stage yelling at me with a microphone. But something's happening in your heart right now. That's the love of God. The love of a sovereign creator who is chasing you right now. And so I want to give you that opportunity on the count of three to just slip up your hand. One, Jesus loves you. Two, I believe you will never be the same. Three, if that's you, would you slip up your hand? Amen. The other thing I'd like to do is if you feel like you have been going through the fire of life, if you feel the struggle of life, if you feel like it's really hard to fear the Lord and to keep his commandments, I want you to just slip up your hand and I wanna just read something to you that was impressed on me earlier, if I can find it real quick. And as we were singing that song, as we were singing Spirit Break Out earlier, I really believe that the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. The Spirit of the Lord, this is Isaiah 61, is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open in the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And I really believe that as a church body, this is what we need to be praying for and believing for, for God to let his favor rest upon us, for God to let his power rest upon us, for God in his wisdom and knowledge to deliver us as King Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter two, to deliver us from evil, to set us free of strongholds, to bring healing where we need healing, to set the captives free, because I believe God is wanting and desiring to do something something in Brooklyn, New York, and in Staten Island, and in Albany that we have never seen, as we sang about early, or a revival. But it starts with the church who believes that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. And so what we'd like to do, I want to invite you guys to stand as we're going to have people up here. If you need prayer, we just want you to boldly come up here. There is no shame in prayer. I need prayer. You guys can pray for me. Please pray for me. Lord knows I need it. But we believe that God is a God who wants to transform. And a second with the presence of God is way, way greater than having a lifetime of knowledge and understanding. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning.
God, I thank you for your freedom. I thank you for your love. God, I thank you that you did not leave us nor forsake us. Father, I thank you that you were desiring to do something right now in the hearts of men and women in this room. Father, we just ask for your deliverance. We ask for your freedom. We ask for your love. God, we just ask for you to do what only you can do. In the name of Jesus Christ, the church says, amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at 